sometimes I think they forget to actually listen to the community and see what they actually need. I did, I did all of this unintentionally, but I was listening to a lot of the people who joined at the beginning and I asked them what were their struggles. So I had a good idea of what they were going through. Tap into the minds of change makers creating real impact on people and our planet. It's time to live your purpose. I'm your host, Dale Wilkinson, and this is Good Makers. Hey, what is up? Welcome to episode 19. If you're a regular listener, I just want to say I love you and appreciate you showing up each and every week. I would love for you to share this podcast with other good humans you think would benefit from it. Now, if you're in the market for a new gig and you want to use your skills for good, head to goodgigs.app and join a community of like-minded go-getters who want to make this world a better place for all. There are hundreds of gigs, both full-time and freelance, with mission-driven companies working on important causes. This episode, I got to chat with the founder of one of those companies, Veni Kunch, who has built diversifytech.co, which is a platform for underrepresented people in tech to find resources and jobs. Veni walks us through how she realized she had a viable business opportunity opportunity and what techniques she uses to determine what she should build next. She also gives really helpful advice on what you should do when starting a community for your business. And Venny has some tips on how to leverage Twitter to build an audience and to become an authority in your field. Here's my chat with the delightful Venny Kunch. Hey Venny, how you doing? I have been a big fan of yours on Twitter for a while now. So I'm really glad to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me and a big fan of yours too. So thank you. So you're the founder of Diversify Tech, which mm -hmm. is a community and a collection of resources for underrepresented folks in tech. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little more about the platform and how did this originate? How did this, what was the story behind coming up with this concept? Yeah, uh, so Diversify Tech, it's uh, mainly a newsletter, uh, which where I connect underrepresented people in tech to resources uh, like job opportunities or scholarships or events that they may not be aware of, especially if you're underrepresented. And sometimes you don't have the, you're not connected to the main network of tech. Mm -hmm. So sometimes things could be going on, but you're just not aware. So that's kind of the purpose uh, to make sure that underapps and people in tech aren't in the know, kind of. Yeah. That's the reason I started it. And the background story is that, so I've, I've been in tech for 15 years. I worked uh, professionally as a software engineer, and that kind of was my experience too. Uh, when I first uh, was looking for my first job, it took a really long time to find my first job because I just didn't know. I didn't, you know, one of the ways people find jobs is growing a network except i was the first one in the family to go to college in the u.s i was mm -hmm. the first woman to go to college like i just didn't know certain things like you know what's a cover letter i had no idea i didn't know what an internship was you know like you yeah. know, some things that people think are things that everybody knows i just didn't know about them 
Yeah. So I kind of like stumbled my way through my career, you know, learning things as I go. And throughout my career also had some challenges because I was uh, almost always, I was either the only woman or the only person of color at all of my jobs. Mm -hmm. I was just always the odd one out. And for a while, I thought that was normal. I thought, oh, maybe just there aren't women in tech. Maybe there just aren't people like me in tech. That was just, I didn't think about it too much, but that just was my personal experience. I moved to DC and in DC, I discovered that there was this woman in tech. And that was the first time I saw so many, so many, I met so many women who were already in the field, who were trying to get into the field. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. Since I already had experience, I started mentoring folks. It was actually just online office hours. I would uh, talk to uh, women and we would chat about, you know, how their career is going and kind of provide them um, with guidance and about things I wish I had known. So yeah. that's kind of how it started. And then I thought, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one is taking a while. So I thought, why don't I start a newsletter where I share all of the things I've been talking about and have it reach more folks. That's awesome. So at that point, like when you moved to DC mm -hmm. and you found this group, Women in Tech, yeah. at that point, there was still no other group for people of color and other underrepresented folks. Yeah. Uh, one thing I had noticed was that when I moved here, you know, I met a lot of women in tech, but again, I met very few people of color. And what I learned, uh, when I what I realized now is that when people, when companies try to uh, help underrepresented people in tech, they usually first go to women, but they usually, what women doesn't necessarily include a woman of color. Right. Uh, that's kind of what I noticed. And that's why when I started my community, I actually focused on first, you know, people of color, women of color. It seems weird now, but when I, you know, one of the things I did was I had a blog and I would interview women. And I saw that other blogs for women in tech, actually, none of them really had that many women of color. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start with people who are underrepresented and then see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I like started the community. So did you start the blog first and then simultaneously the newsletter? Yeah, it was uh, both together. So it was the newsletter and the stories. It was very cool to see the reaction of the people I interviewed too, because I think no one had uh, ever asked right. them before. <laughs> so right. it's kind of like interesting to, you know, elevate the people who are kind of like behind the scenes doing the work. When you're doing these interviews, was that like the validation for you? It's like, ah, like they haven't experienced this before. They haven't had the exposure and the attention. Mm -hmm. I, I could be under something here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it took me a while to actually think of what I was doing as something that I could do as a business. I actually did that for quite a few years and I was actually starting to start my own business. So I was trying to do both of those. So the newsletter was something I was just doing like voluntary based. And then I was trying to start a business on the side. And then I read something about, you know, and actually my, none of my other business ideas were working out because I, you know, when you're starting out, you just don't know certain things. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they weren't working out. And then somebody, I was reading a book, it was actually by Justin Jackson. And he said, one of the ways you can start a community is like, he had like this graph was like, you know, you are part of the community, you know, he had like this fit. And then when I looked at it, I was trying to figure out where do I fit in? And I realized, oh, I'm already part of this woman in tech community. Mm -hmm. Is there something I can do? And I was like, wait, I'm already doing this. <laughs> uh, so it was like a weird realization. I was like, oh, I'm already doing some of this. I already have an audience. Yeah. Uh, can I do something here? Around the same time, I actually started getting companies asking 
to post jobs or like for to sponsor. I was like, wait, the, the, I think I started something. <laughs> That's awesome. What time period did that when you started blogging to now, because you're full time on Diversify Tech, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yes. What time period has that been? And when did you, when did you go full time? Yeah. So, so prior to Diversify Tech, the blog and the newsletter I was uh, working was called Kodutmeni and that I started in 2016. And I did that for two years. And after two years is when I realized that, oh, I, this could be something that I can do. Yep. But, you know, in the middle, I, you know, I gave birth, I, you know, a lot of life changing events happened. I had a kid, all of that. So I kind of just like paused on everything. But after my daughter was born, uh, I think I just gained clarity. Okay, I love to quote with many, but whatever I learned here, I used that to start Diversify Tech with all yeah. the things I learned that I felt like were missing. Uh, I didn't want it to be just code. I wanted it to be more broader. And code with many was just for women. I wanted to be more inclusive, more underrepresented groups. So to whatever I learned, I just kind of launched Diversify Tech with whatever I learned. And uh, that was in 2018. And this year is when I started working on it full time. <laughs> that is so cool. Congratulations. And thank you. Beforehand, did you have milestones that you needed to hit to go, all right, I'm going to go full time? Mm -hmm. Or was it more of a like, actually, I'm going to make this commitment and go full time on it? You know, I was, I was looking for milestones. Um, but I, what happened was that the community started growing so fast. And I was actually working part-time last year. And even with my part-time uh, on Diversify Tech, I just couldn't keep up, you know, and I felt like in order, and I kept, it, it kept being consistent, but I felt like, okay, in order to move to the next step, I have to spend more time. Mm -hmm. And then me and my uh, husband, we kind of talked it through, like, can we do this? And that's when it kind of uh, took some time it's, and it's decided to do it full-time. He was, he asked me a bunch of questions like, you know, what do you need to do next for this to do something? I was like, I need time. Then it's like, well, it looks like you have to, you know, quit your job. So that's, <laughs> that's how I decided. How did that feel? It was pretty exciting. It, I, at the beginning of the year, it felt like I timed it where uh, I timed it right because right then uh, the community started growing, more and more companies were reaching out. Uh, I was doing pretty well. Uh, so the timing felt right. And I was totally busy. It didn't feel like I had a lot more time. I just was busy all the time. And I was, it was good. Um, but of course, COVID hit and everything kind of just like, you know, slowed down. And I was confused. I was like, oh, gosh, I think, I you know, who would have thought a pandemic hitting at this time? So, And it, it, it took about two months or so where it was slow. But I was like, OK, I'm going to focus on things I need to improve on this fight. I just focused on that. But after two months, because of the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. you know, companies all of a sudden, realized uh the importance of diversity and yeah. what would that and prior to that you know last year or so i put a lot of effort in spreading uh you know a message about diversity tech so it was there so in june uh, when people actually started looking i think they found me <laughs> kind right. of. So it was interesting so all of a sudden everything just took up, everything doubled, my traffic doubled, my, you know, revenue doubled, everything was just like, oh my God, what is happening? 2020 has been, uh, you can't even explain it, I guess, for everyone, but I guess that's a silver lining for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like with what has happened with not just the pandemic and how 
people have seen how companies have treated their mm-hmm. employees, as well as the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and a real focus on racial equity mm-hmm. as well. Yes. It just seems like it's the perfect storm for what you're building, which is really cool. Being a software engineer, mm-hmm. have you built this all yourself, the platform? Uh, yes, uh, I have built it uh, by myself. The difficult part for me has always been not to over-engineer it, uh, because as a software engineer, I tend to think of all about code and things like that. But in my in my past business ideas, uh, that's what I used to focus on. I focused on all of my time on building the product versus building things around it. So this time, it's actually like I made it as simple as possible. So the platform is a job board, which is very you know, simple. And I, in the newsletter, again, it's just an email that I send every week. So I kept it pretty low tech, actually, uh, which is hard for me to do as a software engineer. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but I focused more on the community and, you know, what they need and things like that. On that and giving other entrepreneurs out mm-hmm. there some advice Mm-hmm. And I say other entrepreneurs, I mean me, many. <laughs> <laughs> you can get carried away with so many ideas mm-hmm. and feature ideas. Is there a way that you work out what is mm-hmm. best use of your time and, mm-hmm. and what's going to create the most impact? Is there anything that you actually use to work that out? Yeah, it's, it's not something formal, but it's on the top of my mind always. Like whenever I do something, I think of, is this actually going to benefit the community anyway? Are they actually going to see the results of it? For example, yesterday I spent all day obsessing about the software I was using to send my newsletter. I was like, this is not working out. I'm going to switch it to this. And then as I dig, dug into it, I was like, okay, it's, it's going to take a lot more than a day for me to do this. Then at the end of the day, I was like, wait, do I need to do this? Is yeah. the community actually going to benefit from me changing the software that I'm using? Yeah. <laughs> the answer was no. Uh, so I was like, okay. I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it some other time. Right now it's not the best time. But I do have a, like a list priority of like, uh, because my community, I have like two communities, you know, you know, underrepresented people in tech and my customers. Uh, so I always think about, whatever I'm doing, is it going to benefit my community? Uh, is it going mm-hmm. to benefit my customers? Uh, and usually I'm, my business is such that I have to prioritize my, you know, the underreps and people in text because sometimes my customers' intentions may, may not benefit, you know? So I have to like balance mm-hmm. that out too. So I have to, you know, prioritization is always underrepresented people in tech. Is this the best for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, you know, customers, you know, they're my paying customers. Am I giving them what they're paying me for? And then the community, you know, make sure everything's kind of balanced. <laughs> yeah. I love that point that you bring up because there's a lot of other entrepreneurs that have that kind of network effect and that mm-hmm. chicken and egg. Yeah. issue and and working out the business model and where the revenue is coming in mm-hmm. and a lot of the times you'd be like well wherever the money's coming in let's focus on mm-hmm. that but what i love that you're doing is because the business model is the revenue is coming from mm-hmm. the customer side the companies right mm-hmm. but you have integrity with the community you're building you're making sure that it's what's right for these folks that you have created a community for. 
Yes, yes. Um, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, so the job board is the main way that I generate revenue. And it's uh, and one of the tough things is that a lot of companies may not actually be ready uh, to hire underrepresented people in tech because they haven't done the work internally. Mm-hmm. And on the outside, none of us really know what it's going to be like to join them. So I, for my job board specifically, I ask questions like, what, what is your current state? Like, are there underrepresented people in tech working at your company? And so I asked, like, how many number, how many people of color are working at your company? So I asked all of these questions and I also asked them, like, so I kind of like reversed the cover letter a little. So usually when candidates apply, you have to tell them why we're a good fit. So I sort of reversed that and said, you know, why should underrepresented people in tech consider you? So ask all of those questions. So I designed it such that I can get as much information as I can about the company. So it's not only just for me, but even for the people in my community, they can take take a look at it and see, is will this be a good place for me to work at? That's really cool. And I've seen you on Twitter before tweet about this and tweet that you've had to turn away clients. Yeah. So during this process of you kind of doing the reverse interview on the companies, what are some red flags for you? And there could be companies out there that are listening that Mm -hmm. want to make an effort in diversifying their talent base. Mm -hmm. How do they go about it with intention and thoughtfulness? Yeah, I get this year I've had to turn away several, several customers because, you know, I ask all of these questions, which I get to know, and then I usually do a little bit more. Uh, For example, if they were in the news recently for something, uh, I go look up when, how recent it was. And I look at their Glassdoor reviews, see how recent, you know, some of the reviews were. So most of the people I had to turn away were, you know, for example, if they posted a job uh, in August and I go look on Glassdoor and the review in May is like they're racist, the CTO is racist mm. or they're sexist, you know. And a lot of times the companies, what they try to do is, you know, if there's something wrong internally, that's why people of color, other members of underrepresented people in tech are leaving, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a problem internally, but what they try to do is, okay, let's hire more. That's And they think that somehow it's going to solve the problem. But right. the issue is that there's something wrong internally. So in order to, you know, even if uh, they hire underrepresented people in tech, they, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna have a retention problem because... Yeah. As soon as we join, they're going to realize, okay, this environment is not for me, so they're going to leave. So a lot of the customers I had to turn away was that, you know, something was off internally. I was like, okay, I, I can't send people your way. Uh, I don't think it's a safe place, you know. How do you approach that with a client? Oh, oh gosh, that's been a big uh, uh, lesson for me because I'm very much, uh, you know, I don't like to say no. I like I say yes to everything. That's kind of my personality. So that's been like something I had to learn. So I've, I've tried it several different ways. For some customers, I just have to be firm kind of. I say, this is not the right fit for us. I'm sorry. I'm just going to refund you the money. Yep. And most times I never actually hear back. Sometimes I do hear back from them and they something like, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, we'll, you know, we'll work on it. Or sometimes it's like uh, they're very confused on like, what do mm-hmm. you mean? You know, they, is this, uh, I still want to be on your platform. And sometimes I'd be a little bit more firm and say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry I can't because uh, proof, you know, of what people are talking about you doesn't reflect what you think your company is. Yeah, that's so commendable. 
or a founder and you know an entrepreneur that you're trying to get this business up and that's where the business model is and that's where mm-hmm. the revenue is to have the integrity to say no and stay true to what the mission is of, mm-hmm. of the company. You've probably seen like recently, right? There's this, all this attention on building community mm-hmm. based businesses. Mm-hmm. Like just recently, Lolita Taub, and I forgot her partner on, on, on this, but they've just started the mm-hmm. community fund, which mm-hmm. is a fund, VC fund specifically focusing on community run mm-hmm. businesses. Yeah. Are you kind of feeling like, I got this in the bag. I've already built my, I've, I've built my community over the last four years. What is your advice to other founders that are trying to kind of build communities around a, their brand or their service? Is there any, anything that you've learned that could help? Yeah. Thinking back on how I, you know, started everything. It was very, at the beginning, it was very personal. Like I would have conversations with people and, and I knew them. So the first people who joined my community, I knew them personally. Like we had conversations, we, you know, I knew how their career was going. So that's kind of started very like on a personal level as the community grew, because I think I did a lot of listening, which I think sometimes people struggle with because they have an idea of what the community should look like and what they think the community needs. Sometimes I think they forget to actually listen to the community and see what they actually need. So, uh, you know, I, I, did, I did all of this unintentionally, but I, I was listening to a lot of the people who joined at the beginning and I asked them what was their, what were their struggles? So I had a good idea what they were going through. So that's kind of how it started. And as the community grew, you know, it grew mainly through word of mouth, you know, people in the community is like, oh, you know, I've gotten a lot from this community, so you should join too. So it's been just growing like that. Now I don't have that much of a personal connection with a lot of my members. Mm-hmm. It's pretty big now, but at the beginning, uh, like people have been in my list since 2016. So it's like, you know, and it's been a while. Uh, so I think my advice is to really pay attention to what the community needs. Uh, I think starting from there will, you know, lead you uh, down the path um, of what's good for the community. Which can be really difficult for yes. founders, right? Yes. <laughs> that we, you kind of think that you've got the ideas and you kind of know what they, what you should be building, but mm-hmm. you just got to listen. We've talked about Twitter a bit, and that's how I, I came across yourself and Diversified Tech. Mm-hmm. I said I'm a big fan of you on, on Twitter, and you are one of those Twitter pros. You've got a, <laughs> a, a really awesome following. You're active, you are honest, you are transparent on there. Has this been a strategy, or is this just kind of because you had mm-hmm. a blog and you're a, mm-hmm. obviously a pretty good writer? Is this just what we're seeing or have you been more strategic on Twitter? Because Mm -hmm. it's obviously done, had some amazing effects on diversified tech as well. Like just the other week you tweeted about, I want to get to this number of members, 10,000. And very quickly that was shared everywhere. You know, (laughs) it was, it was very cool to see what should people be doing, especially founders on Twitter? Is there a strategy to follow? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I do have a strategy on like, uh, I used to be more strategic about it at the beginning when I first got on Twitter. Uh, as I mentioned, like, you know, what I 
diversified tech was not the first thing that I thought of when I started wanted to start a mm-hmm. business and there were other things that I wanted to try out. So when I first started, you know, I found my own community. So I found this women founder community and we would kind of like do knowledge sharing sessions. Yep. Uh, so one of the things I, uh, you know, I would share about uh, what it's like to be a software engineer or how to hire software engineers and somebody else, you know, we did the sharing session where she, she, she was a social media marketer and she shared like, you know, all her tips and tricks. And I was like, oh, there is stuff that you can do. To... So, so I learned about social media marketing from, from other folks. Uh, and, you know, my other business ideas did not work out. But one of the things I was like, oh, you know, I have Twitter. So what I did was when I started my blog and newsletter, I'm not very good at, I wasn't very good at promoting myself. I was, but I wanted to promote the people I was interviewing. So that was what, it was easier for me, like promoting somebody and like highlighting them was easier for me. That's kind of how I grew my following too, because it was like, I would go to conferences, for example, I would go to women in, you know, women in tech conferences mm-hmm. and I would tweet, live tweet the whole event uh, and the, with the intention of highlighting all of the speakers, you know, a lot awesome. of women don't see at that time, a few years back, they weren't that many Women in tech events, a lot of women didn't see themselves as speakers, so I would just go live tweeted. Yeah. Uh, so it was, and you know, it was not exactly promotional, but it was very much like I was sharing, uh, you know, stories. Uh, so that's kind of how a lot of women found me too. So I was, I was like, whatever I shared in the newsletter, I would show her on Twitter. It's like, okay, this is something you should know. There's a scholarship, you should know about it. So it was, all of my tweets were. For my community, basically, I was like, you should know about this. There's a scholarship. There's this apprenticeship you should know about. Uh, or, you know, I would go to events. Uh, I would, you know, take photos. Uh, it was just fun thing to do, just, you know, highlighting folks. That's kind of how it started. So my Twitter account actually became my a mini version of my newsletter, I guess. It's such a great tip, right? Because there's a lot of people that are, you know, introverted and... Mm-hmm. You don't want to promote yourself if you are that kind of mindset mm-hmm. to go in and start highlighting and focusing on other people and stuff that you share. Was there a evolution for you? Did you kind of get more confident once you were being more active on Twitter? Uh, yeah. So at the beginning, my Twitter account was just for highlighting the community. So that's what I did for a while, for at least three years or so. Uh, but only as I've become, you know, at once I just, you started Diversify Tech and once my, I guess I've changed a little bit too, uh, more in terms of like becoming a founder. Now it's more, and now I'm, I'm actually more open. Uh, like when I first started, I actually didn't talk about myself much, but now I'm like, okay, I've talked more about some of my journey a little bit. You know, yeah. I have a daughter, I talk about my daughter also. And so I become more personal. Uh, I Now I started using my Twitter account for both, I guess, both yeah. for myself and um, for the community. I appreciate your ability to do that because, especially with the founder journey and, you know, you did a tweet about kind of working out pricing for the platform, which I just loved because... I'm going through the same thing as well. So it's just so good to be able to have that conversation and also realize that although it's a lonely journey being a founder, we're kind of all in it together. So thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) And you brought up your daughter. 
<laughs> so if I could get personal for a little bit. Yeah, sure. I'm single and <laughs> no kids, but it's hard enough to, you know, try and run a full-time business. If there's parents out there that are like looking to start a business, but they have commitments of, you know, mm -hmm. having a family, has there been any tips that you've been able to work out how to balance both being a parent and a mm -hmm. full-time founder? Ah, yes. Um, after I became a parent, you know, it's definitely been challenging in terms of my time. Before I had my daughter, it was very much like, uh, honestly, I was just wasting a lot of time uh, because, you know, I was fumbling through how to start a business. I was just focusing on things I probably shouldn't have focused on because I had the time, uh, I think, mm. because I was, I didn't really have priorities, I guess. I was just like, I have time. I'm just going to obsess about this thing for a week. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I used to be. But once my daughter came, she's like, it's like my time is extremely restricted. You know, I have to take care of her. Uh, you know, of course, she's the priority. You know, our whole house is around, you know, making sure everything's going on okay um, with her. Like before, I didn't even used to cook much, but now I'm like, okay, if I have somebody to feed, so I have to cook, you yeah. know, make sure there's food. Yeah. So anyway, so my life has changed quite a bit in terms of that. So my, my time is restricted. And one of the things I don't like about the startup communities, like everybody's about hustle, um, you know, working overnight, working this. And honestly, I can't do that. Like with a mm -hmm. kid, I, I can't do such things. And I also, you know, a little bit older, like I don't have that kind of, you know, working overnight kind of stamina anymore. So one of the things <laughs> that I've been doing is that uh, this year has been my year of no. <laughs> so I just have been saying no to a lot of things. I've said a no to a lot of speaking opportunities because I've tried them in the past. They just didn't, the ROI was just not what I uh, was expecting. So I was like, okay, I tried it. And, you know, sometimes I'm just too nice and I just say yes to everything. That's yeah. what I used to do. And uh, now I'm just like, no, I can't do this. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you asked me the question about how do you make decisions? So for me, it's been like, okay, will it benefit me or will it benefit the community? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't do it because uh, I'm a parent right now because my time is restricted. I have to like prioritize even more than I used yeah. to. Uh, and it's been a lot of saying no to things, uh, even yeah. for my, uh, for the website, uh, you know, I think about, uh, I've actually been using a lot of no-code tools. I thought by now I would have, you know, started uh, moving it to a better platform. I just haven't had the time. And I've been okay with that. And things mm -hmm. are working, you know, I'm like, okay, I will do it when I have the time. Piece by piece. So first, thank you for saying yes to <laughs> to, come, to coming on the podcast. I super appreciate it considering how busy you are. And second... So what you're saying, the secret to productivity and focus is I have to go have a kid. <laughs> that could be a few years off. Um, but I, I like that, right? Because you, you, you've only got a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and you've got to be intentional with yes. what you're focusing on. What is the outlook for diversified tech? What's in the works for you? Oh, what's in the works? Right now I'm working on customer retention more. Uh, that's what I've been focusing a lot more because there's been a, as I would mentioned, like in June, everything just kind of uh, 
had a lot of customers come in and I've been trying to keep up, but not doing a good job on certain customers or I'm still trying to find the right the customer fit, uh, I guess. So as mm-hmm. I'm working that through, I'm, you know, realizing more and more what my right fit is. And the other thing is the community somehow diversified tech. A lot of Europeans have been coming and companies have been coming and they want to post on our jobs and I had to decline because I'm like, I don't have that much of a community from Europe. So that's kind of the next step. So I so start a Europe edition of the newsletter. That's very cool. That's exciting. For folks who want to join the mm-hmm. community, they go to diversifytech.co. Yes. Awesome. Vanny, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate what you're building and the community you're building and the amazing work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. So many good takeaways from my chat with Vanny, especially her tips about starting a community and really taking the time to get to know the members. Ask them what they're struggling with. Where do they need help? Let their feedback guide what the community becomes. If you have a small community now or an email list, I suggest using videoask.com, which allows you to send personalized videos to people and they can send one back. I've been using it for good gigs and have had so much fun getting to know the folks that are signing up, plus getting really valuable feedback at the same time. And if you're on Twitter, make sure to follow Venny. I've included the link to her profile in the show notes. You'll see what I'm talking about when I say she's a Twitter expert and how she engages her community and builds a network of supporters who will help her whenever she needs it. Until next week, I appreciate you listening and showing up and being you. 